But Katie and I can't imagine a more joyful day than when we welcomed grace into the world. There was incredible pain that day. The kind of pain that in any other situation would cause you to wonder if God is even present or if he cares about the suffering of my wife on the surgeon's table. But that's because joy is something far different than an agreeable condition or the absence of pain and sorrow. It's something deeper, more powerful, more sustaining, and it bubbles up in the midst of the pains of the world and then transforms into a gushing river that overwhelms us and defines the moment so much so that when we look at pictures of that day, the pain isn't even mentioned. Whatever that is, this thing called joy, I want more of it, don't you? You're listening to Life on the West Side. Here's Nathan Guy. It's really a bad world, don't it? It's an incredibly bad world. Yet in the midst of it, I have found a quiet and holy people. They have discovered a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of this sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. These people, Donatists, are Christians, and I am one of them. According to Paul, the Christian life can be summed up in one word. Joyful. It's the Greek word charis. It's where we get names like Kara and Carissa. The Greek lexicon says this word actually means the experience of gladness. How can we talk about the experience of gladness when we live in such a crazy world? When you turn on the news and you hear about school shooting in a kindergarten, I think on average 7,000 people die every day in this country. Some with incredibly difficult pain. How do you talk about joy and the experience of gladness without sounding foolish? A couple of things to keep in mind. One is that in Galatians, Paul is describing something that isn't natural. It's something God gives to his people of himself, from himself, for his glory. But second, joy is not what you might think it is. It's better. If you have children, you might appreciate this line from Ray Romano. He says, everyone should have kids. They're the greatest joy in the world, but they're also terrorists. And you'll realize this as soon as they're born and they start using sleep deprivation to break you. We know the feeling. But Katie and I can't imagine a more joyful day than when we welcomed grace into the world. There was incredible pain that day. The kind of pain that in any other situation would cause you to wonder if God is even present or if he cares about the suffering of my wife on the surgeon's table. But that's because joy is something far different than an agreeable condition 
or the absence of pain and sorrow. It's something deeper, more powerful, more sustaining, and it bubbles up in the midst of the pains of the world and then transforms into a gushing river that overwhelms us and defines the moment, so much so that when we look at pictures of that day, the pain isn't even mentioned. Whatever that is, this thing called joy, I want more of it, don't you? What Paul's talking about in Galatians 5 is not a natural feeling because of our circumstances. It's a sustained sense of abundance and goodness and love and hope and promise in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. And for you and me on our own, we might experience something like that on rare occasions. But God's joy, not ours, the kind given by the Holy Spirit is not momentary, but everlasting. Like love, it's not a human willpower produced kind of joy. It's God's joy given to us. And not just a feeling, but a focus. Listen to the language. John 17 and verse 13. Jesus says to his father, Now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete in themselves. Romans 14 and verse 17. Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When Paul first writes to the Thessalonians to encourage them, he says in verse 6, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps the clearest of all, Romans 15 and verse 13, when Paul nearly signs off the book with these words, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Did you notice how Paul links joy with hope? It speaks of anticipation, not just present possession. Joy is only partly a comfort of having. It's even more so an insatiable and even painful longing for more. C.S. Lewis once said that the very nature of joy makes us makes our non, makes nonsense of our common distinction between having and wanting. I've benefited tremendously from some thoughts on joy given by Sam Wells. He preaches for St. Martin in the Fields Church. It's near Piccadilly Circus in London. He says, joy isn't an all-at-one-go thing. You know how it is. You hear a sublime piece of music, and you go out and you get everything by that composer. And it's too much to take in. You read a beautiful book. And you buy everything that author ever wrote. And you can't swallow it when it's a mountain of books. Joy is something you taste, you touch, you glimpse, and then you have this certainty 
that's going to keep coming your way and it'll never run out. It's something you never get the whole of. There's always more to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Because we know that. Because we live in anticipation with glimpses of it, signposts of it. For the first time in the history of the world, we can see joy not instead of sorrow, but in the same context as sorrow, right in the midst of it. At the resurrection, the women ran away from the tomb. Do you remember the two words? With fear and great joy. If you find yourself under tremendous persecution, says our Lord in Luke 6 and verse 23, be glad and leap for joy, for they, uh, they persecuted the prophets the same way. James says, consider it all joy when you face various trials. The message uh, version says, consider it a sheer gift. The followers of Jesus did exactly that. In Acts 4... They began to preach about Jesus, and the leaders said, we're going to beat you. And they said, well, you can beat us, but listen, we can't help but speak that which we have seen and heard. The people didn't like it. They gave them a hard time about it. And the text says, after getting beaten, they went on their way rejoicing that they could suffer shame for his name. This is not a human-produced joy. It flows from the spirit of Jesus. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. It made Paul long for, not just accept, but long for the opportunity to suffer and to be conformed to the image of his death. I think we're forced to change our view of what joy is to something bigger, deeper, longer lasting than happy feelings. What did Christ have on the cross? What did Paul have in prison? What did the church have in persecution? An abiding sense that the greatest gift of happiness has shown itself in Jesus Christ dwells within you, but the best is yet to come. So the search is over, but the wait continues. Imagine the great fear that must have engulfed everyone in the ark with the unknown waiting world just outside the timber. But imagine the joy when after the long wait, the dove returned with an olive branch in its beak. The Ark of the Covenant inspired fear among warring nations. But when it made its way back into Jerusalem, David couldn't help himself. And he danced, danced before the Lord. Joy when the law was rediscovered in the days of Ezra. Joy when Jesus looked up and said, come down from that tree. Today, salvation has come to your house. The joy of a waiting father when love gave wings to tired feet. 
the joy of blissful reunion. Is it so different today for you and I? We're able to experience a joy that comes from the sense of being in the presence of God. And it's a long-lasting, sustaining, abiding joy that is there in our highs and our lows. It stays with us. It props us up and bolsters us on our highs. And it sustains us in our lows. Just think about the 23rd Psalm. Imagine what it feels like. To be a sheep on the side of a lush, green hillside. And your shepherd makes you lie down in those green pastures. He leads you beside the still waters and he restores your soul. Imagine the kind of peace and rest you feel. So that even if you were to find yourself walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you wouldn't fear any evil because you knew that your shepherd was with you. Imagine if you had replenishing so much that your cup constantly ran over. The passage ends with this wonderful reflection. Surely God's relentless tender goodness and mercy shall pursue me when I wander, when I forget, when I resist, when I'm afraid, and not just for a short time, but for all the days of my life. These are the truths, the promises, the joy that God wants you to have and to welcome and to enjoy. The list that Paul gives in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, describes one fruit because there's one Spirit. The fruit of love is also the fruit of joy. And these two, love and joy, are meant to be displayed as the Spirit produces God's own character within you more and more and more. That's what sanctification is growing into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Spirit more and more and more. So let me ask, are we showing the Spirit? When you walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, live with Jesus, smile with and cry with Jesus, when you live your life in the presence of your Redeemer and friend, you won't be able to help it. Joy will just burst through you. McGuigan says that you don't have to smile in a way that looks like you slept with a coat hanger in your mouth all night. But if you're the only Bible that some people will ever read, what chapter do they get when they watch you? Do they see an anxious, written guilt and shame fear and dread rooted in insecurity or self-reliance? Or do they see the refreshing peace that comes from a deep and lasting joy, overflowing joy from sheep whose shepherd is a God of limitless grace? Because at the end of it all, God is love and peace and joy.
I told you I really benefited from Sam Wells's comments. I want to end by reading some of the most beautiful prose that he wrote. Joy when you discover that love isn't just a slushy word or a passing feeling, but that it became flesh in Jesus Christ. Joy when after years of living under the burden of guilt and self-hatred for something you've done, you finally hear the words, you are forgiven, and you know that it's true. Joy when all of your anger and frustration and despair about suffering and cruelty and hatred in the world is transcended. When you hear a voice saying, this is what you are to do, and you realize it's your vocation. And you have a part to play in God's story after all. Joy when you're going through a hard time and someone from your church leaves a card or brings some food or gives you a look that says, I don't know you very well, but we're both part of the body, so I'm here for you. Joy when you meet a person very different from you, a person whose face or manner or language you find a little alarming, but in whom you come to discover you've met Christ. Joy when a person says to you, I don't know if it's something you said or just doing some of this stuff with you, but I've come to believe in Jesus and my life has been transformed. Great joy. Joy of a ba lamb finding its rickety feet in a meadow. Joy of a baby discovering how to swallow. Joy of the song when we have the words and God has the tune. Joy of the harvest when all is fresh and mellow. The joy of friendship of those we have known and loved through thick and thin. The joy of forgiveness when bitterness and failure do not get the last word. The joy of creation when we hear birds chirrup on a spring morning. The joy of being part of a team when you believe in what you're doing and where you are going. The joy of the orchestra about to break into a thrilling crescendo. The joy of a craftsman perfecting his wood. The joy we're talking about today is feeling all of our love and the love for us that is in the world and then realizing that that intensity, that love is just a keyhole we look through and beyond is a shimmering garden of delight. Just a keyhole. And we look together on God's garden, restored and glorious. Great joy. Great, great joy. Thanks for joining. No one has ever loved you like Jesus Christ. I hope you feel that love in every sermon that's preached on this podcast. You can find more sermons, transcripts, study guides at nathanguide.com. Please stay tuned for another lesson and rest in the love of Christ.